0: Man, you're getting killed out there. (sighs) Tell me about it. I feel like Rocky after 15 rounds with Apollo Creed. Speaking of Rocky, did you know that Sylvester Stallone wrote the first draft of the movie in like three days? Did you know that Sylvester Stallone permanently flattened out his knuckles from punching the side of beef? What about Burgess Meredith? He had lived his line in the audition, which landed him the role of Mickey. Or that a destitute Sylvester Stallone turned down $350,000 because the studio didn't want him starring in it?
1: (gasps) Well... You can find this out and much, much more by listening to Rocky Minute, the fan podcast that covers the Rocky movies one minute at a time. You can find us on DuelingGenre.com. Now get back out there and knock this bum out. Dueling Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski. And I'm Todd Mack. And this week we are discussing James, Toby, Blinky, Arg, and Claire from the TV series Troll Hunters. And I just want to make it clear that Arg is always written out capital A, capital A, capital A, capital R, capital R, capital G, capital G, capital G, H, capital H, when I looked it up when I was trying to fight. With an, with an exclamation
0: and, it always has an exclamation point on it as well.
1: Yes. Arg. Great character name. So good. <laughs> uh, Troll Hunters, if you are unfamiliar listeners, it is available on Netflix for streaming. And it tells the story of a young boy who gets a magical amulet and is then christened the Troll Hunter. And he gets introduced into a crazy world of magical creatures that were all around him. And he just never knew it. And this was not a patron listener request, Todd. This is one that you had suggested. Uh, and so I guess I'll, I'll put it to you first. How did you come to Troll Hunters, and why did you think it's something we should cover on the podcast?
0: We, I watched podcast, I watched uh, Troll Hunters with my kids last summer. Um, in the evenings, we would like watch an episode before bedtime. And it was just something that I saw on Netflix. I saw that it was uh, done by Guillermo del Toro. And, um... And I thought, you know, let's give it a shot. And we loved it. And in fact, most nights we could not watch only one episode. (laughs) Uh, It's really hard to watch just one episode of this. Um, It's very well paced and uh, the characters are great. And it's it's just a, it's an awesome kind of hero's journey story with really fun characters. It's funny. uh, It's touching. I think it, it touches on some important themes. And uh, so I I think it fits well with, uh, with our podcast.
1: Yeah. I had heard, um, heard it recommended like just on entertainment websites when it first premiered. And I think I recommended it to my daughter and she said she was going to watch it. And usually when she's watching a show for the first time, I watch the first episode or two, just to make sure tone and content are fine. Um, and I remember enjoying that, but that's all I watched at that time. And so then you said we should do this soon. And you had suggested, um, well, uh, the pilot and then an episode in the middle of the first season and an episode at the end of the first season. And I kind of binged maybe the first five or six episodes to get a feel for all the characters. And then I jumped up to the 13th episode and then the, the, I think it's the 26th episode. 26th. I felt like it was mm-hmm. a lot of, plot. <laughs> but I had yes. gotten to know the characters enough. Uh, th- th- there were some interesting things like someone was missing a hand all of a sudden and th- people had switched allegiances. Uh, so lots of twists and turns. <laughs> In in the plot. But I really enjoyed it. Um, It's the animation is done really well. Um, This is um, television animation, but it's like definitely a step up in terms of what they do, Mm -hmm. uh, background images and the smoothness of all the CGI and the way they move the camera through the CGI realms like it it felt film quality on that level. Mm -hmm.
0: I think the voice acting is excellent.
1: Yes, fantastic voice cast. Um, which, uh, I'll get to in a moment as we, as we dive into a little bit more information, but yeah, just the quality does feel like a step up of what you'd see, uh, for an animated series as, um, like on broadcast television. And also the, the storytelling, like I said, I, I've only done like a a whole bunch of the, at the very beginning and then I jumped to the 13th and then the 25th. Um, this is like heavily serialized storytelling. Like you, you really got to follow it. Uh, but it's still kid-friendly, and it's inviting kids to engage with this kind of long-form storytelling that I think is a good thing as well. Yep. All right. So, um, as we've kind of already talked a little bit about, Troll Hunters is an animated series developed by Gu- Guillermo del Toro that streams on Netflix. It tells the story of a teenage boy named James who finds a magical object that turns him into the Troll Hunter, and it introduces him into a magical world. Now, you may think, based on the title, he's going to hunt all trolls. Don't think that. Because there are good, whole, good trolls who have their troll hunter to hunt the bad trolls to fight, to fight the bad trolls. Um, James is voiced by Anton Yelchin. Uh, Toby is voiced by Charlie Saxton. Blinky is voiced by Kelsey Grammer. Arg is voiced by Fred tatascori and claire is voiced by lexi Madrano. that's kind of the core group that we get at least in the first <laughs> season we're specifically looking at the two-part pilot that is titled becoming which was written by guillermo del toro and mark guggenheim and, and that was directed by del toro and rodrigo blas as well as the 13th episode which is titled the battle of two bridges which was written by dan and kevin hageman and directed by rodrigo blas and johan matt uh Matty, maybe it's M A T T E. Not sure the pronunciation there. The season one finale is called Something Rotten This Way Comes, and that was written by Dan and Kevin Hageman and A.C. Bradley, and it was directed by Elaine Bogan. So, a little bit of trivia about Troll Hunters. <clears throat> Del Toro submitted a full young adult book manuscript, uh, which he co authored, but it was a novel that he submitted to publishers. And then before that was published, it, it got optioned for a, a series. <laughs> Um, I mentioned that Anton Yelchin um, is voicing the main character, the troll hunter in this. Um, however, he uh, tragically died in 2016 in an accident, uh, but he had done all the voice work for seasons one, and two and part of season three, which is going to be released very shortly. Emil Hirsch has taken over the voice work um, to finish the series in season three. Um, it's been announced that troll hunters is going to have those th- three seasons. Um, but that, there's going to be part of a trilogy of stories that called "Tales of Arcadia. That's the city where uh, they live in troll hunters. And the next is going to be a science fiction series set in Arcadia called Three Below. I'm guessing you'll see hints of troll stuff going on in the background of the science fiction series would be my guess since it's being set there. And the third series is going to be called "Tales of Arcadia Wizards." um the series was very well received by critics it's been nominated and also won a lot of daytime emmy awards and annie awards and the voice cast has um won quite a bit as well uh of those awards and i wanted to read this quote from guillermo del toro about his conception for the series it definitely reminded me of neil gaiman talking about um the graveyard book and uh, his goals and his thoughts for children's entertainment so this is Guillermo del Toro he says I wanted very much to develop a story that could be written for kids but dealt with a genre that was scary it essentially combines fairy tales with modern times and is about how difficult it is to be a kid normally kids are idealized in animated films but the growing pains married with the notion that there is a world right next to us that is completely plagued by creatures of ancient lore it's thematically fitting with the rest of my stuff which yes yes <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely that sound like a year of a del toro project right there yeah all right before we get todd uh giving us the summary of several episodes so might be a little longer summary i don't know todd uh, it's not too long actually okay before we move on to that listeners we want to thank each and every one of you for listening and we especially want to thank those of you who support us on patreon if you would like to support us financially we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we break down newly released films and trailers, and all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. And patrons, uh, during this quick cast, we also give our monthly updates on Fantasy Box Office, and it's going to get a lot more interesting in the next (laughs) couple months than it has (laughs) been this far in the year, when I had uh, the box office for Black Panther and Avengers Infinity War boosting me into a bit of a lead but Todd has yes. of his blockbuster, blockbuster tentpole films coming out soon. So I don't think that lead, I think I have my largest league right now at this time of recording that I'm going to have all year long.
0: Yep. Let's hope so. All right, Todd, you want to follow the long summary of troll hunters? Okay. Full synopsis. Here we go. This is season one, episode one. It's called becoming this is part one. So it's dawn. this is prologue. It's dawn in Arcadia Oaks. It's, uh, there's two fierce looking trolls and they face each other underneath uh, a city bridge. Kanjigar is the troll hunter. Bular is his nemesis. This fight is made all the more intense because the sunlight uh, burns the trolls, so they have to fight in, in the shade. Uh, Bular wants an amulet that Kanjigar has in his armor. And just as Bular appears to have the upper hand, Kanjigar throws himself off the bridge, landing in a stony heap at the bottom. Uh, uh, in this, uh, like dry canal bed, um, unable to recover the amulet because it's in the sunlight. The furious Bular leaves for now in another part of the city, uh, young Jim Lake wakes up and skillfully makes breakfast and lunch for himself, his mother and his best friend, uh, tubby, uh, Toby, (laughs) he is quite tubby. But his name is Toby, Tobias. As the boys ride their bikes to school, they take a shortcut through the canal right next to the bridge. And when they get there, the amulet calls out to Jim. Uh, and so he picks it up and throws it in his, uh, in his bag. And then they race off to school as um, there's a troll kind of behind a, like a sewer grate with all these eyes. And he's observing them. Uh, in their history class, Jim stares at a girl named Claire. And after class, his teacher, Mr. Strickler, offers him some encouragement. And in gym class, Jim awkwardly approaches Claire, and she uh, is kind of – I think she's kind of charmed by his – he's totally awkward. Um, And she invites him to join the school play. Uh, since they're having a tough time getting boys to join. And then later in the locker room, Jim expresses to Toby his dissatisfaction with his current life. He says, my life, you know, I wish there was something exciting in my life. Um, and this many eyed troll keeps kind of watching Jim from the shadows. After school, the skull, the school bully Steve is teasing a little kid named Eli. And Jim stands up uh, to, to Steve and Steve kind of backs down. But then he says, hey, we're going to have a fight on Friday afternoon uh that night jim pulls the amulet out of his backpack and it starts to glow and then he hears something stirring in his basement and he goes down to investigate and finds two giant trolls one is blinky uh who is voiced by um kelsey Grammer, and arg who is voiced by frank uh was Tattishore. um and uh blinky is the leader and he greets jim quite formally and this is just like it's it just brings me so much joy every time that blinky opens his mouth and says anything I smile because he's just awesome. Um, so Blinky tells Jim that there is a vast world of trolls living beneath uh, the humans, and Jim has been called as the troll hunter. And Jim faints, and then he wakes up in the morning, and he goes to school, and he he tells he he wants to tell Mister Strickler, uh, his history teacher, about this, but he he kind of halfway tells him, and then he chickens out, and and he's leaving. And as he's leaving, Strickler sees the amulet in Jim's bag, and it looks like Strickler might know what the amulet is. Um, That night, Jim pulls out the amulet and he reads aloud its inscription: "For the glory of Merlin, daylight is mine to command." Um, And then the amulet uh, it magically turns um, into magical armor that places itself on Jim, and he also has this giant magical sword, like an anime-sized. magical sword uh and later strickler meets bular at the pile of kanjigar's uh remains under the bridge and he tells bular that jim has the amulet and bular says he will kill jim as he has killed every other troll hunter and then strickler's eyes glow like maybe he's bad uh this that's the end of uh, episode part one of uh, uh of the pilot this is part two now it's called becoming It's another beautiful morning, and Jim rides to the dentist to talk to Tobes, who's in the middle of an appointment. After an eight-hour dentist appointment, (laughs) it's like dentist slash orthodontist, um, Jim (laughs) and Tobes go back to Jim's house, and then Jim shows Toby the trick with the armor. And Toby is thoroughly impressed. He tells Jim that he has to use these powers to benefit all mankind and to kick Steve's butt. Uh, Just then, Blinky and Arg show up. And they tell Toby that Jim's job is to protect trolls and mankind from bad trolls. And he wants uh, – and Toby wants to know if he can be the sidekick with a name like Deathblade or Cipher Snake. Uh, Blinky tells Jim that he is the first human called to be a troll hunter. And then Jim's mother shows up and they go hide in the bathroom. And they – in the bathroom, Blinky tells Jim that Kanjigar uh, was the best troll hunter and that Bular beat him. Uh, Blinky tells him that training usually takes decades, but they have to do all of, um, all of Jim's training in a day or two in order to be able to fight off Bular. Uh, Blinky wants to start, uh, the training, but Jim says it's a school night and he doesn't want to die. Um, and so he's not really interested in being the troll hunter. He tries to give the amulet back, uh, but Blinky tells him it's his sacred obligation and they agree to come back tomorrow to begin the training. But before they leave, Blinky gives Jim this speech. He says, Destiny is a gift. Some go their entire lives living existences of quiet desperation, never learning the truth that what feels as though a burden pushing down upon our shoulders is actually a sense of purpose that lifts us to greater heights. Never forget that fear is but the precursor to valor, that to strive and triumph in the face of fear is what it means to be a hero. Don't think, Master Jim, become. So the next day at school, the amulet suddenly transforms Jim, and uh, he runs into the locker room to hide. And Strickler, who's suspicious, goes into the locker room looking for him, and he finds Jim dressed in his armor. And Jim tells him that the, the, the this attire is for the auditions for Romeo and Juliet. And so he runs to the audition, and he's nervous about the whole situation. He doesn't know the play, and, but he's inspired by Claire's pretty eyes. And so he just recites Blinky's speech about destiny and uh, being a hero, and everyone is pressed, impressed, including Claire and on their way home on their ride home Bular shows up and challenges Jim and the sun is setting and things don't look good for Jim and Toby but they use their wits and their bike skills to escape and they find Blinky and Arg who says he won't fight Bular because he's a pacifist and Arg is just enormous and looks incredibly fierce, but apparently he's a pacifist. And Jim finally is able to don the armor just in the nick of time to defend his friends. And he has these amazing sword skills because he has amazing cooking skills apparently. Um, but even still, he is no match for Bular, but thankfully he's ima- He's able to make it through a magic portal um, just in time. Uh, and he- they make it into Heartstone troll market, uh, which is where all the trolls live. And they're supposed to be only good trolls there. And the bad trolls can't make it in. And that's the end of the pilot. So now we're going to skip ahead 13 episodes and I'll try to kind of fill you in on what uh, what we've missed here. But it's it's uh, a rainy morning in Arcadia Oaks and it's the day of the Romeo and Juliet performance. So Jim has got the part of Romeo and Claire, of course, will be will be Juliet and Jim and Toby are listening to a message on Jim's phone uh, that is telling them that Blinky has been captured by Strickler, who is a changeling which is a troll that can shapeshift into a human. And now, if you've listened to any episodes of this uh, podcast, you know <laughs> that I do not do well with shapeshifters. And, uh, and Strickler is a shapeshifter. He's a troll in a human's body. So uh, Strickler is using Blinky to get to Jim, who is the only one who can open a magical bridge that will allow Bular's father Gunmar to come out of the Darklands and wreak havoc on humans and trolls alike. So those are the stakes. Uh, Jim is in the hospital because the night before he's he, he'd been attacked by monsters and his mother who is a doctor is terrified for him and she asks him for the truth but he can't tell her and um, it, 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 I mean even like even if he want wanted to he's just too scared uh, because and he's worried for her and so he doesn't tell her and she's hurt that he won't tell her the truth and she knows that he's lying to her uh, and so it's kind of sad so Jim has a warrior troll friend whose name is drawl. And Drall was the son of Kanjigar, and he wanted to be the next troll hunter, and they were enemies for a bit, but now they're friends. And Drawl has taught Jim how to fight. So Jim's actually pretty good with his, with his magical anime sword now. Uh, Claire has also just found out that trolls exist, and she saved Jim's life in the process. And she's worried about Jim making, not making call time for the play tonight. Uh, and Jim says, don't worry, I'll be there. And so Jim goes uh to meet Strickler and they go to the bridge. It's in a it's in a museum. And just as Jim is about to pull the put the amulet in the bridge, his friends arrive. So Arg and Drawl, and even Toby dressed in homemade armor. And this is an amazing like hero's entrance. Um made all the better because Toby has like an iPod uh taped onto the front of his cardboard armor <laughs> and he pushes play on it. Um thinking that it's going to be like rock music because, you know, like they're ready to rock uh, and it's like elevator music. <laughs> he, has to flip through. he has to flip through the playlist to find the right playlist. It's um, very funny. Uh, and then this mighty battle ensues. And I should mention here that Claire's baby brother Enrique has been replaced by a changeling whose name is not Enrique. And um, I mean, it's, it's not not Enrique. It's just that's his name not Enrique. Um, and they always call him not Enrique, and it's hilarious. Um, and he looks he looks like an adult troll in a toddler-sized body, and he wears a diaper. And at first, he was bad, but he actually kind of bonds with Claire. Um, and so, in this episode, we see him kind of becoming even more good. Um, in the fight, Strickler overpowers Jim and forces the amulet into the keystone, which opens the bridge. And then not Enrique tries to pull the amulet out, but he can't. And then Drawl uh, comes and he is able to pull the amulet out of the bridge and it destroys the bridge um, before, before what's his name, Gunmar can get out of the Darklands. So uh, situation is saved, um, but Drawl's arm turns to stone in the process and then it crumbles. So the gang escapes into the sewers, and Jim is carried by a current into the canal that runs underneath the bridge. Uh, from the beginning of the series, this is the one where Bular had killed Kanjigar, but this time, however, Jim uses his smarts and his skills, and he kills Bular um, with his with his anime sword. Uh, and then, but then, <laughs> Bular's not totally dead. He comes out of the water, and Arg smashes him because Bular's about to hurt Toby, uh, and Arg goes bananas and and uh, smashes. Uh, Bular, which breaks his oath of pap- pacifism, but we see him, um, saving Toby's life. And the relationship between Toby and Arg is super sweet all through this, um, through the series. So Jim makes it back just in time for the play. And afterwards, Jim promises Claire that he will find her brother even if he has to go into the Darklands himself. All the trolls in Hearthstone Market congratulate Jim. Uh, everything looks happy, but Strickler is still at large and they have to get Enrique back from the, from the Darklands. So, um, a few episodes earlier, Toby and Jim had release, released this little gnome into the Darklands to look for Enrique because they had a they had a portal into into the Darklands, but it's only it's tiny, and so they have to send this little gnome. And the gnome's name is Gnome Chomsky, um, which is just <laughs> amazing.
1: <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, I okay. I, I think they call it that at the end. I, I love-, love it in the series finale. I, I love quite a I lot love of that. that. His name
0: is Noam Yeah. <laughs> um, and then that, so the little gnome at the end of this episode, he finds the place in the Darklands where the babies are kept. So I mean, now we're going to, go ahead. That,
1: that for me, when he's going through to find the baby, uh-huh. I, I don't think I'd seen in the episodes I saw that there was more than one baby. And then when he gets there and there's all these swinging bassinets like dangling yes. from ropes, it is one of the creepiest <laughs> moments. And I, and I absolutely know it is one of those like what stage in life you're at, it's going to hit you differently. But as a parent with a young child, yes. like it hits pretty hard to see a monster that has kidnapped all these infants. And you know, there's probably changelings in all those infants' cribs in their yes. homes.
0: Yep, yep. So now we're going to jump forward 13 more episodes to get to episode 26, which is called Something Rotten This Way Comes. So in the interim, I'm going to try to fill you in. Strickler has unleashed this terrible monster that's called Angor Rot. He's a... He's a super bad troll. And uh, Strickler has also been captured by the good trolls and he's in a cage in troll market. And also in a battle with Angorot, Claire accidentally allowed Angorot to steal her horn gozzle, which is the kind of the key to get into troll market. Um, So, so now they know that Angorot is going to have access to troll market. Um, Some of the, some of the good trolls want to kill Strickler, but Jim wants to protect him. And now the trolls want to kill Jim as well because, um, because he's protecting Strickler. Uh, but then all of Jim's friends uh, stand by him and the other trolls back down. And they all realize that they have to prepare the troll market for Anger Rot uh, to show up. It's very um, Three Amigos uh, preparing, the, uh, preparing the town. So, Noam Chomsky is back now, and he has a message telling Jim that Gunmar is going to come after him and everyone he loves. Strickler tells Jim that he can cut Anglerot's eye. So, Anglerot has an eye that they have stolen from him, and, uh, and it's like a, a stone eye. And uh, and Strickler tells Jim that he can cut this eye like uh, like polish it down, um, and then it fits inside of the back of the of the amulet, and it and it levels up Jim's armor. And also, Claire has a teleporting staff that she stole from Angorot, and Toby has a magical hammer, uh, kind of like Thor's hammer. It's really big, and he has no uh, very little ability to control it, but it's awesome to see him use it. Uh, so now Jim allows Strickler to leave uh troll market because he says like i i don't trust you enough to be here during this battle but i don't want to keep you here anymore so i'm just going to let you leave and before he leaves strickler gives jim a stone that jim needs to get into the darklands so it's another stone that goes in his amulet to level up his armor and uh and allow him to get into the darklands so anger rot uses a diversion to sneak into troll market and he has brought this magical army made of um rocks they look like they're made out of sugar candy like sugar what what were those what <clears throat> rock candy right? rock candy, thank yeah. you they look like they're made you out of rock oil, candy. the sugar water, color it, and you leave a string in there and it yep. yep, yep. that 's exactly what it looks like, um so there are these monsters made out of uh, rock candy, and then uh, Jim faces Angor and his friends um. Uh, So Jim faces Angor and his friends fight the magical army. Uh, But soon the evil army seems to be overpowering everybody. And then Angor throws a knife at Toby when he has his back turned. And Arg throws himself in front of the blade. And it saves Toby's life, but Arg turns to stone. um, Which is just super sad. Um,
1: I have not spent 26 episodes with these characters. And it was sad for me. (laughs) (laughs) It was so sad. It lands. The emotionality of it still lands, even if you're skipping ahead 13 episodes.
0: Because they bond. I like they've they've been bonding this whole time. Like at the beginning, he calls him
1: wingman, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. Because they play video games together, and uh, and he calls him his wingman while they're playing video. Because Arg lives in Toby's house for a while, um, and his grandma is blind, his nana, and so she can't tell that Arg is not human because she can't see very well. I mean, and, and so anyway, it's very funny, but but Toby and Arg are like. Um, the very best of friends. And it's very sad uh, when Arg sacrifices himself for Toby. So now Jim leads Angor into this giant like training contraption room, like a, like a danger room kind of. Um, And they get locked in uh, and, uh, and Jim is fighting Angor. And then Claire uses her teleporting staff to teleport Toby into the air right above Angor. And then he and Jim together, uh, they kind of hit him at the same time, Jim with his sword and uh, Toby with his hammer, and they turn Angor to stone and they smash him. Isn't and it with is, Angor's own dagger and something about that, it seemed uh, like uh, maybe. Um, so, in his death, the spirits of the troll hunters that Angor had killed are released back home, and Kanjigar shows up in spirit and he apologizes to his son Drawl for having pushed him away, and he tells him he's proud of his son, and uh, all the friends weep and they embrace the stone Arg. And then Jim walks away and puts Gunmar's eye, uh, the stone from Gunmar's eye, into his amulet. And he exclaims, for the doom of Gunmar, eclipse is mine to command. And his armor glows um, like dark and red. Uh, Before this, it's been glowing blue. Um, And now it glows red. And he reforms the bridge and he goes into the Darklands alone to find Enrique. And that's the end. Oh, good summary, Todd. And thank you for filling the in. Yeah, Uh, some of what I had missed. So I know there was a lot of jumping around, but I feel like this arc is so well done um, that we see these characters in these like three different um, points in the story, and there's so much development that goes on uh, among them that I wanted to kind of try this format of trying like a little from the beginning, a little from the middle, and a little at the end, and see how our conversation goes. So yeah, sorry we spoiled the whole first season, but. Well, uh, you know, the
1: fair warning, it is available on Netflix, and then the, the second season is up at the time of this recording, and I think yes, it may yeah. show up before this even drops, like sometime between when we're recording now and when this
0: drops, the third season is going to show up. Yeah, and we have not, um, I have not finished the second season. We're maybe three episodes in or four episodes into the second season right now. Okay. Um, w- my first note, um, even in,
1: again, not watching all 26 episodes, I put... Hero's journey, but with room to breathe. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it felt like uh, watching the handful of episodes at the beginning and then the middle and then the end and like knowing that there must be a lot that happens in between mm-hmm. um, that this as a season is going to hit all the points of the hero's journey that we come to expect, but it's not going to feel rushed. Like the, it, it doesn't feel like the talents are gained too quickly or the relationships are forged too instantaneously, which when mm-hmm. you see a hero's journey in a two hour film, sometimes like it's familiar enough that we kind of give it a pass, but it, it is rushed. <laughs> like, right. you know, it, it, in act two, they gain every skill they need to win the battle in act three. And in this, it, it was, um, it was nice to know that, you know, this is really going to be 10 plus hours of him gaining the skills to fight the big bad at the end of the first season,
0: Uh huh. which isn't even Hello. really
1: looming bad. Cause that guy's still in the, uh, what, what's the name of the other place? Gunmar is in the dark lands. Yeah. Yeah. So even at this point, he's not, you know, fighting the the big bad that we've been warned about for the entire series. But he had to get, mm-hmm. you know, the, this many hours of practice and this many adventures of improving his skills to be able to fight, you know, the, the mid-level boss mm-hmm. <laughs> that he's fighting in this, in, in this season.
0: Yeah. And, I, I mean, um, it's interesting thinking about the hero's journey. So in hero's journey, you have a call and then you have the, um, the ultimate boon which is like the prize and the call and the prize in like classic hero's journey, they're connected. So in, in that case, um, the ultimate boon is killing Bular and, and saving them from the, from the bridge being, uh, built. And, and that happens. I mean, often in storytelling that happens late. Um, and in fact, one of the, like a storytelling trick is that um sometimes uh, writers will have a hard time with the third act because they don't they don't know what to do with a third act or they don't know what to do with a second act <laughs> and um and one storytelling trick is if you can have the second act end with the hero getting um the ultimate boon then you can have a, th- a whole third act for uh, learning how to become master of both worlds and going through apotheosis and there's so much so much more development that can happen after a, after the ultimate boon and sometimes um, writers will hang on to that for too long and then everything gets rushed at the end because you have to get the ultimate boon and you have to uh, you know become illuminated and become you know Jedi and then you have to fight the big bad and it all happens and to the return. Uh, sometimes it's <laughs> too rushed right and return and it happens too rushed because it all happens in the third act and the and the second act. Um, gets bogged down and and this is a really nicely paced um story a telling of the hero's journey uh, because they allow for the ultimate boon to come so early i mean it's 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 exactly halfway through the season when when you would think i guess it's over because they just defeated bular um and he got what what his journey was initially started for was to was to protect everybody from Bular. So, yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you. I like how you said that, the hero's journey with time to breathe. It's a really well-paced hero's journey.
1: Well, and even then, I expected um, from watching the, uh, the, the middle one, like at that point, I, we know her baby brother is kidnapped and is missing because we see the gnome go through. I assume the season finale would be getting the baby brother back. Yes. But uh, it, it's not. <laughs> that's, uh-huh. that's apparently the season two arc is still going to be getting the baby brother back. So, like, it's, it's still pushing off some of our expectations, mm-hmm. um, which I, I think it must be very nice to be partnered with Netflix and be allowed to have, you know, the number of episodes to tell the story they want. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't know what all their relationship is, but there are certainly um, on, on even when, when networks uh, TV shows are doing some long form storytelling and they get 20 episodes to do it. There's often the, like this lag point where like, well, this isn't really the right pace to tell our long form story. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, but this, this one felt, felt right in what i've seen so far and if, if i had a bunch of money and guillermo del toro came to me and said i've got a story i'd like to tell i would say go ahead and tell your story <laughs> um, yeah <laughs> that would be yeah. your response he's pretty he's pretty good at what he does i agree with you todd
1: that if guillermo del toro comes to you with a request to tell a story you should just say yes but how many of his projects have we heard announced that never come to fruition that's true <laughs> Um, <laughs> even true. in researching the trivia for this it, it uh multiple articles mentioned like oh this was been greenlit but first he's going to be completing at the mountains of madness <laughs> which is in pre-production on uh. yeah uh, which uh if if you're a fan of guillermo del toro you know that movie never came out <sighs> okay take. Point, point <laughs> I, but I agree with the principle that you're saying because when his stuff does get finished, it seems to be very well received in general.
0: Yeah, and, well, I uh, mean he he has a certain. Um, I mean, I can I can kind of understand why, in part, why some of his stuff has not seen the light of day because. Um, I, I mean, I think he has a very like a very specific vision, <laughs> and there has to be a lot of people um, on board to make anything that he wants to do happen um but he just he can't do it on his own and i feel like sometimes whether it's him or other people like it's just not right and so it yep. doesn't happen but <laughs> when he when he does i mean the things that he has that he has done and produced uh by and large i think are quite quite good all right um
1: diving into troll hunters in a little more depth one thing that i think almost always works is when you have your protagonist who's his call to adventure and he has a geeky best friend that is a dynamic that never seems yes. to fail uh, and uh toby joins a long long uh tradition in the in this area and as far as i'm concerned he hits it out of the park he is a great sidekick <laughs> uh that you know for the sidekick you need to have the mix of the comic relief um the contrast with your your heroic protagonist uh, but then also like the unexpected skills that are boons in the right
0: moment. Mm-hmm. And he brings all of those. I think, um, so one of my favorite lines from Toby is it's almost a throwaway line when, um, when he's in, uh, so he's at Jim's house and Blinky and arg show up. Toby freaks out for just a second. And then, and then Jim says, no, it's okay. Like these guys are good. And <laughs> Toby's like, okay. Okay and then within like 5 minutes he's feeding arg the videotapes cuz arg likes to eat um vhs tapes and so <laughs> he's feeding him the videotapes uh and then and then toby says this line where he says um, he says oh so trolls are a thing who knew and then like that's it and that's uh it's all toby needs to kind of be on board with what's going on and it's just awesome like it's such a um It's such a Toby thing to say. (laughs) And, uh, I love how he, um, it's not like from the very beginning, he's convinced that there's trolls or something. He's very surprised when they show up, but he immediately kind of, uh, adjusts his worldview to fit this thing into it. And then he's okay after that. Uh, and, and as we mentioned earlier, he becomes just dear, dear friends with ARG. And, um, and it, there's so much emotional development that happens. One of the interesting, um, I mean, fathers is, and this is totally Guillermo del Toro, right? Like <laughs> uh, he 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 knows how to tell a story about people with daddy issues. Um, but so Jim, his father is a soldier, um, and is missing. We don't really know anything about him. But Jim lives alone with his mom, and takes a huge burden because his mom works at the hospital. Um, so he has a huge kind of caretaking burden for his mother. Uh, Toby lives uh, without his parents. He lives with his Nana. And uh, so he's alone without a father. And Strickler shows up and becomes kind of a father figure for Jim. He calls him young Atlas. And you have Blinky who shows up and becomes like this counter father figure to Strickler. And so you get this great <clears throat> this great balance of these figures. Um, Strickler on the one hand and Blinky on the other and their relationship with uh, with Jim and with Toby, you really get that with Arg, and that's why it's so just devastating when Arg sacrifices himself for Toby. Um, but uh, but there's like really great emotional development that happens um, throughout this this film, both in Jim and and in Toby, I think.
1: Uh, speaking of great pairings, I did also want to throw out that Blinky and Arg. are just work. Oh as, man, as a duo. <laughs> Yes. where you have arg is almost monosyllabic like he, he he says words but he doesn't really say complete sentences right right <laughs> and then you have um kelsey grammar who is doing an even more pompous version of fraser <laughs> <I> <laughs> <really enjoy. is. laughs> and, and voicing blinky the six-eyed troll who is going to uh kind of uh will be the mentor right for uh for jake um coming coming into the the role of being or the Jim. troll hunter. w or, 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 is it Jim? Yes, Jim. Sorry, sorry Jim. Uh coming into his role as being the troll hunter. Um and that pairing of uh, where where you still sense like the the real friendship and bond that exists between Blinky and Arg. Mm-hmm. Which is such great names too. I love yes. I love those names. <laughs> uh, Blinky and Arg. I, I something about that just worked so well where they're so different but there you know they care for one another and um that and then they also immediately care for um f- for the humans like you know that come into their world mm-hmm. they're not freaked out by the humans the way some of the other trolls seem to be they just accept them and say well this is your new role let's uh let's do the
0: best we can yeah um how was it for you uh i mean you're a <laughs> to say that you're a huge fan of fraser is like a gross understatement <laughs> um <laughs> How was it for you hearing uh, Blinky voiced by Kelsey Grammer? Did that work for you? So it seems like it worked for you. Oh yeah, definitely. And he he does a lot of voice work. Um, Okay. It's
1: right now. It seems like he's he's mostly doing Broadway and and voice work are kind of his two main uh, creative outlets that he's doing. So I wasn't surprised to see him in it. But it is great to hear Fraser Crane's
0: voice, uh, you know, coming out of this six eyed troll. uh yeah i said earlier that it just brings a smile to my face every single time he opens his mouth um there are so many good lines and this is i think this is very well written um i mean it's it's funny uh but it's also um it's serious at times it's very scary at times there are some episodes watching with my kids where i was like oh my gosh i think this is kind of scary and we have to watch another one just to kind of get the scary out of our system um but it handles uh shifts in tone um very well i think yeah uh i i think we've already done a good job of praising kind of how
1: the the narrative is structured the you know the plot and the the development and the the, the room to breathe for these characters as they as they change and evolve um like the characters from the pilot to episode 26 there they they've changed but you get to see the change happen throughout the series but uh the dialogue is also pretty whip smart i think yep <laughs> in uh the the little asides that can make you laugh out loud um the and there's also just excellent delivery from from all the cast members
0: Mm -hmm.
1: um one transition that i didn't really get to sense as much is claire (laughs) jumping from the beginning to the middle and then to episode 26 when she Uh is like um i think i'm trying to remember in episode 13 did she know about the trolls yet um
0: yes barely yes okay
1: so it's the episode
0: uh, okay. it's the epi- it's episode 12 when she learns about the trolls which is interesting to me because if you look at the opening credits she's there in the opening credits you know that she's eventually going to be part of this team but they allow for a a long time i mean 11 episodes for her to develop and for her relationship with jim to develop It's very, I think it's very satisfying the way that she is pulled into the story and they let Toby kind of take the heavy lifting early on and they let Jim's relationship with Claire uh, develop slowly and it works. But yeah, so it's, it's episode 12 where she finally becomes aware that there are trolls. Um, She does not handle it as well as Toby does, partly because her brother, she finds out that her brother is a changeling. <laughs> and that uh Enrique is actually not Enrique. Um so she keeps that from a secret from her parents, right? With the yes. goal that they're going to get the real
1: Enrique back Enrique back and just just swap.
0: Yes. Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. But but all through this she develops a relationship with not Enrique um to the point where there's a there's a there's a part where she saves him um and he says, "Thanks, sis." And it's like they they have this great brother-sister relationship. <laughs> Uh it's pretty great. So how does she
1: then I uh, uh, well this is one thing that I in, in these kinds of stories where you have the young protagonist who has a parent figure, right? Mm-hmm. In this case his mom and and so often the the beats of the story are he, it's kept a secret the entire time. Uh and, and you kind of are so waiting for like the revelation to happen. Um and and so Claire is one of the earlier ones who's like the outsider that gets brought in. So like mm-hmm. Jim and, and Toby are right from episode one. They're they're outsiders coming in. They get used to the world, and then halfway through the first season, you're allowed the beat of like someone else now coming in, and and you know we we're gonna explore a different reaction to discovering that uh-huh. there are trolls and monsters all around us all the time, and we've just never known. Um, and, and it seems like she, you said she doesn't take it as well, but by episode 26, she's running around with some magic staff that's opening portals, and she's
0: a pretty competent fighter <laughs> too. Oh yeah. <laughs> um yeah by her not taking it Do... well last does not last very long she just is surprised uh, i mean she's very yeah she's surprised <laughs> by the whole thing and she's not like toby where you know in within 10 seconds she's like you know toby says oh so uh trolls are a thing who knew and then he's like totally fine um she's very concerned about her brother um and her house getting torn up by you know, fighting these, uh, waka chaka guys. And, uh, so yeah, but, but very quickly she gets on board. She's, uh, she's an important part of the team. And in the end, she's the now one that is. gets Angorot's staff because of, because of her. I mean, she, she earns it because she, she's the one that gets it. Okay. Does, uh, does Jim, uh, does his mom find out? Uh, it's so sad. Oh my gosh. So Strickler starts, Strickler starts making moves on Jim's mom. And Jim knows that Strickler is a changeling, but there are really compelling reasons for Jim to not say anything. And, um, like I think that, I think a spell gets cast on his mom where if he hurts, yes, if he hurts Strickler, it hurts his mom, like physically hurts his mother. So he can't attack Strickler and he can't do anything about this situation because anything that he does to Strickler, um, immediately impacts his mother and it's like heartbreaking. Um, and then eventually there's a big reveal where she finds out everything. And then, um, and she's, she's aware of it for just a a very short amount of time. And then she has her memory wiped. And so when she wakes up in the morning at the, at the end of the beginning of season two, she has no memory of any, of anything that happened. It's like uh, it's kind of sad. The whole his, his, I think emotionally, there's a lot of really interesting things going on with Jim and his mom and um, his missing father and Strickler and Blinky and um, just kind of complicated emotional things. The his mother in, in the scene in the hospital in episode thirteen when um, Jim's obviously been through something pretty intense he's in the hospital and his mom is there and she says okay you've got to tell me what's really happening and he says it was coyotes and she says you know don't give me that (laughs) i know it wasn't coyotes and he just says it was coyotes and she says this is if this is how it's going to be then like i don't i don't even know what to tell you (laughs) you know and she just walks out like knowing that he's lying to her and he knows that he's lying to her um, and there's nothing that either of them can really do about it. And it's just, it's kind of heartbreaking. Well, those are the big yeah, right? reveals. I mean, the, C- Claire is the, really the only one that gets fully pulled in. Steve has mm-hmm. kind of moments where he's aware of crazy stuff that's going on, but he's <laughs> never, he's never fully pulled in. He's not, um, well, what's the girl's name in, uh, in Buffy? There's a lot of I think there's a lot of similarities between this and Buffy, but um, the girl that is that uh, was literally the next one I was going to (laughs) make was
1: was that this uh, a lot of the premise and the issues that need to be dealt with because of uh, it being a young character, um, you know, entering this world of monsters. It definitely was evocative of Buffy. Yeah, Um, it didn't feel derivative, but like there's there's enough overlap that I I Mm -hmm. think it's an obvious connection to be to be making.
0: Yes, and the similarities between what's going on in the magical world and what's going on in the in the real world, um, and the way that those things kind of uh, mirror each other, um, I think I think that they they get some of that at least from Buffy. Yeah, it's something that Buffy did, <laughs> did very well, and even
1: um, you know Giles I think can map odd to Blinky. Oh yeah, absolutely, <laughs> pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, what's the what's
0: Buffy. the um, the girl's name that's like super pretty and popular and then she's Cordelia? Cordelia yes um I feel like Steve is kind of the Cordelia of this um of this uh but he never gets pulled completely in like Cordelia does so
1: Steve's not going to help anchor the spinoff
0: that's coming yeah he's not the same as the Steve in uh Stranger Things isn't that his name Steve oh he had the best character arc of any character yes. arc. <laughs> was- yeah
1: yeah, definitely. Like thinking of evolution of characters, that's that's one of my favorite evolutions ever. It's <laughs> pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, okay, so uh, we've kind of talked about Toby, Blicky, Arg, and Claire. What about uh, James? Right, the, Jim. Jim. I keep saying I wrote James down on the book. Well, his or, name is James uh, Lake
0: Junior. But they but call him Jim. Jim. And, yeah. Okay. Uh,
1: let, let's talk about him a little bit. Uh, what stands out? about him as a protagonist for i mean this is a kid series but i think it's supposed to be all ages in the best way um yes i think there's kid series that are kind of boring and insulting for adults to watch and then there's all ages where it's like really anyone can sit down and enjoy this and i i file this into the the proper
0: all ages setting for me yes absolutely um well jim we know that jim has a good heart from the very beginning uh his opening scene is him making this amazing meal uh for his mom and for toby and he's good i mean he's totally competent from the from the get go uh and the way it, i mean it's it's really I, I think it's a great scene the the cooking scene at the beginning he's got this knife and he's very um he's just very Adept. He's very good at at doing this thing that he does and he cares about his mom and he's a very good friend and he's amazing at riding his bike. So he's already done a lot of kind of heavy lifting um, to become like a good guy. And uh, so he's not a total weakling. He's not picked on at school. Um, He's not coming from a place of weakness. Uh, He does seem dissatisfied with his life and he mentions on uh, a few different occasions to toby like "Wow, do you ever just feel like there's something more out there like i mean he does get luke you know he does get some of luke uh, kicking rocks on tatooine um but he's far more competent <laughs> than than luke is uh at the beginning of, of new hope i love um, that. <laughs> luke rocks on tatooine <laughs> yeah. you put that with <laughs> well that's um i mean uh, it's that's super common at the beginning of um at the beginning of a hero's journey is, you know, like, oh, my life is not great and not great can be everything from, uh, you know, where it's like Jim's situation where he just is like, I don't know. I just feel like there's something that's not right um, all the way to like Hunger Games where you're living in a concentration camp, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, so, but, but I think it's interesting that Jim comes to this hero's journey really from a place of strength. And also from a situation where his world is not that bad. Um, He does not have a father and that weighs on him. And um, Strickler calls him young Atlas uh, because he's um, because he carries the world on his shoulders uh, because of his relationship with his mom. Um, But he doesn't seem unhappy. And uh, so it's an interesting idea to take a hero who's already like doing quite well. Um, and then to kind of see what happens when you give him a call to adventure. Right. That's something
1: I've, Go ahead. Uh, um, I have one of my, my book manuscripts, one of my goals was to do, uh, the, the young hero call to adventure, but have them happy, like mm-hmm. and a healthy relationship with their parents, not be angsty, uh, you know, broken and on the journey, they realize that they really do love their parents or any of that, which are all beats that, that we get pretty regularly. Um, mm-hmm. in in these kinds of stories, and it seems like uh, in this case, he has a good relationship with his mom. His hero's journey is going to actually strain that relationship because he's going to be lying to her in a way that he never has before. Yep. Like he's never kept this level of secret, um, wh- which I think is an interesting that, dynamic to kind of explore. But I like what you said about him being like competent and you know not not in a bad place. I was kind of expecting uh, when we got to the thirteenth episode and what's the name of the big bad on the other side of the gate? Gunmar. I, I like I don't think this is really going to happen but I was like I wonder if at this point we've had like changelings uh, these these monsters who appear as humans I wonder if this is his dad
0: <laughs> it was
1: was of, like he was on earth as a human and his mom never knew and he disappeared because <laughs> as a troll he got trapped on this other side um I don't think that's where this is going to go at all uh but it was like the thought cropped you know popped in my head because you you don't introduce these kinds of father issues without some sort of, um, you know, key aspect of the, of the story. Uh, And it may be in this case that it's just that it allows Blinky to step in as a father figure. Yeah. Uh, You know, like the, the mentors to, to, to step in.
0: I do think that the dad is going to become important. um, But I haven't, I mean, he hasn't, it hasn't become a a big deal yet from, from what I've seen, but this is, I mean, at the very bottom of the hero's journey is reconciliation with the father. And, well, and also because he's the first human to ever been a troll hunter. I was wondering if he had. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's totally possible. Uh, I think allowing Jim to move into this hero's journey from a position of strength um, makes his, uh, his, his initial competency as a troll hunter um, make, sense so we see him you know riding his bike super fast with toby and doing tricks and uh going off of jumps and things like that so when they have to do that to get away from bular uh feels natural um and we see him wielding this knife at the beginning um with just incredible skill (laughs) and so when he has to use his sword um he also is able to do that with some competency and he's not amazing at it. And he barely escapes with his life. But, um, but both of those things are set up in the beginning of the, uh, of the, of those episodes so that it doesn't feel totally weird. Like, Oh yeah, right. Like he could just use a sword. Um, And what they're saying is, well, he's a pretty smart kid and he's also physically um, capable of doing things. And so, you know maybe he's not an amazing swordsman but he's also not uh totally incompetent um so a lot of his initial growth has to come with um i mean it comes with his accepting the call uh and um and he he feels that weight of destiny um kind of it's kind of similar to uh to Buffy and that it's like you know why has this chosen you? Well, just because it did, and you have to do it because if you don't, then really bad things are going to happen. And he's like, "Well, okay." And so he does get kind of pushed on into this, um, and it takes him a while to to grow. And he needs mentors along the way. He needs Blinky especially, and he needs Drawl. Um, and his the, the 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 way that his relationship with Drawl develops over time is also um, really great in the are at first their rivals because drawl thought that he would be the next troll hunter because he was kanjigar's son and then he ends up having to train a uh, Jim, and in the process of that training they become friends and uh and in the end he becomes like one of his greatest allies and gives up his arm to to save jim so a, a lot of and, and that is another
1: arc that i i always love on tv shows because i think you got to do it Uh, in like novel or tv show not short story or film like you Mm -hmm. need enough time to establish the rivalry and the dislike and to make it feel real and valid and earned when the turn happens that Mm -hmm. they become they become allies um and in films you sometimes see that happen and it's just kind of like well uh. (laughs) other than the mobsters coming out and saying no one we hate nazis and rocketeer (laughs) <laughs> I can't think of one of those <laughs> where, where you know, it worked so quickly that it just felt right. But TV shows and novels give you enough room to breathe and see these kind of character transformations.
0: Yeah. So I, th- I feel like a lot of Jim's growth comes because of his relationships. He grows in his relationship um, with Claire, and he grows in, in his relationship with Blinky, and his relationship with um, Withdrawal. And his relationship with Strickler is always complicated um, because, because of the father issues. Um, and he grows in competency. And uh, you see him uh, go from being rejected by the trolls and troll market to being accepted and praised by the trolls and troll market to being again rejected by the trolls and troll market. Uh, so there is this kind of cyclical. Um, nature of of the of the journey um but there's just i don't know there's just a lot about the series that i feel um works really well it's not um i mean i don't know it's not the like the most amazing thing that's ever been created uh, but it's a really solid story with great writing and lovable level characters <laughs> and um it's funny enough that like laugh out loud funny but it's also um very poignant at times and uh i, I think it's f- f- for something in that kind of all ages category uh, if people are looking for something like oh, i wish you know that there were there were it's in the category for me of like avatar the last airbender which is another just amazing series that i think um is n- uh, nominally dis- n- written for kids, um, but there's really uh, kind of sophisticated stuff going on. And uh, any adult, uh, I think, would be able to sit down and really enjoy it. Uh, this is in that league, I think.
1: When I was googling Troll Hunter, looking for some of the trivia and doing some search terms to, to find trivia comparisons to Avatar, came out a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just the yeah. headlines. You know, best all ages show since Avatar, The Last Airbender and things like that. And I think, like, we've noted that like, there's the quality of animation, the quality of the writing, the quality of the voice work. All of those come together to make this something that, that works for, for all ages, as I said. But it also doesn't, you know, hide the emotional punches. Mm-hmm. Um, like ARG dying at the end. I think that is, um, it, it goes back to all the way back in one of our very first episodes when we did Neil Gaiman's graveyard book. Um, Mm -hmm. he talked about the need for story to provide some emotional inoculation for children, like to, to give them doses of strong emotion (laughs) that Mm -hmm. they're going to experience in life. And I think ARG turning stone at the end, like it's sad. And I'm sure for kids who have watched all 26 episodes, it's going to be really sad (laughs) to see this character that they've come to love, uh, turn to stone and die. Like he, he dies. This isn't, I don't, I don't think there's gonna be hand waviness that brings ARG back. Mm -hmm. Um, or at least it didn't feel that way um that you know that it was set up for like don't worry kids this is, he's, they're gonna find a way to make this okay um but i think a parent being able to talk with the young kid about that kind of sadness when it's a troll <laughs> you know an animated troll that turned to stone on a yeah. tv show uh would allow you know even as a young kid like just a it's not gonna be the same emotional toll of a loss of a real life loved one but it's gonna be you know open the door for that kind of acknowledgement that these are emotions you're gonna be feeling in life and yeah. like I, again i love that phrase the emotional inoculation just give you a, a small dose to <laughs> allow your your mind to start dealing with some of these feelings that are going to come in life
0: yeah and they do come and they do <laughs> yeah. my kids are i feel like all of my kids in their own way are you know just struggling with the fact that life is hard and you don't you don't get everything you want And, and a lot of it is just hard. And, and when you're a kid, you don't like that. (laughs) I remember being, (laughs) I was probably eight years old, seven years old. And I was at a piano lesson and I was sitting on the bench and my piano teacher said, have you even practiced this week? And I said, no. And he said, do you even like work? And I said, no, (laughs) he said, he said, I don't even know why I'm bothering with you. I don't know why I'm wasting my time trying to teach you. And I just sat there and wept on his piano bench, (laughs) like, (laughs) like thinking, how in the world am I supposed to like work? You know, (laughs) and that's a hard lesson to learn when you're a kid that like life is hard and you have to work really hard. I think that was kind of a
1: brutal introduction to that lesson from your panel teacher at age eight. It was
0: was a, it was a brutal introduction to it. And, um, I mean, there are certainly some kinds of work that I like more than other kinds of work. Uh, but I think it's an important lesson to learn that like life is work. And, (laughs) and most of what we do in life is not a ton of fun. Um, and hard things happen. And that's a lot of what, uh one of the messages of Troll Hunters is that growing up is really hard. And um and you just have to kind of be brave about it <laughs> and recognize that you have the capability of helping other people go through the hard stuff. And um and that's what that's what Jim does, but it's also what Toby does, it's what Claire does, it's what Blinky's trying to do, it's what Arg is trying to do. It's what not Enrique has to learn how to do. I mean, all of these characters, except for Strickler, um, and even Strickler in his own way, uh, grows over the course of the, of the first season. Um, but so many of these people are realizing, like, yeah, my life is hard. Um, but I also have the ability to help other people through their hard, and that makes it all more bearable. And, uh, and I, think that's, I think that's a pretty solid thing to be teaching our kids.
1: Yeah, um, and if you can roll it into something that's going to be entertaining for parents to sit with as well, because it's just good storytelling. I think that's a major plus, major plus. As well. And, and I, I think that's the, the end takeaway is like, yes, this is, you know, the teenage protagonist and, and dealing with some of the angsty teenage problems. And you get trolls and some absurd looking magical creatures, but it's still it's good storytelling. <laughs> like, it doesn't matter <laughs> that it's those things. This is good storytelling. Did you see
0: the laughing gas episode? Was that in no. the first five? I, I don't remember laughing gas. There's, there's an awesome episode where they have a big fight with the trolls in the dentist office, <laughs> and they, and they, um, they uh, one of the the uh, the tanks of laughing gas explodes. <laughs> it's very funny. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, as I we're thinking, as I'm thinking about like all the kind of all ages. Stories like this uh, on this level, I, I think it's a pretty short list. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> like there's, I think of this, I think of, um, I think of Avatar The Last Airbender.
1: I, I think we there, we have a better pool to fu- pull. Uh, uh, I, I almost want to say a pool to pull from that, but that's just the homonym doesn't work. So, a better pool to draw from with films, uh, for you know, all ages yes. films that are going to tell some good storytelling, but I mean like the Disney Renaissance, you know, all of that is, is going to be checking all these boxes, but for TV series, I, I, like you said, it's this last airbender and.
0: Well, I think Mm -hmm. of like star Wars rebels, I think is definitely there. Um, and I think clone wars at its best, uh, is, is operating at this level. Although I think, um, the quality for me, the quality of clone wars is kind of up and down the, at the very best it's, the best. Uh, but it's not always um they're not I don't I don't feel like it's always the, the quality is not as consistent as, as I think we see it in Avatar or here or even in Rebels. Right. So I think Star Wars Rebels is uh extraordinarily good. And I'd love to talk about it someday. But huh. Back to our childhood I'd throw out Batman the Animated Series is one that's I,
1: I think okay. it still holds up pretty well as an adult, as it did when I was a kid yeah. watching it
0: cool all right uh, any final thoughts on troll hunters well i'm glad we were able to talk about it it's fun for me to talk about yeah. stuff that i um that i know a little bit better <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's going to wrap up
1: this episode. Thank you for joining us. And thank you, Todd, for suggesting this. I enjoyed it. I'm going to go back and fill in the gaps that I was missing. And I definitely need to watch the next season and find out what happens to actual Enrique and not not Enrique. (laughs) Uh, For show notes and links to all of the other great dueling genre shows, go to duelinggenre.com. Also, please subscribe to The Protagonist Podcast on your podcast app of choice. And please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We would like to thank Nick English, who designed our logo, and Scott Tofty, who composed our theme music. If you enjoyed this episode, you may want to go check out episode number 14 when we talked about Graveyard Book or episode number 145 when we talked about the comic, comic book series Runaways. You can suggest stories or characters for us to discuss or give us any comments or corrections by emailing feedback at protagonistpodcast.com or else on Twitter. You can follow Protagonist Pod, Todd K. Mac, Jay Dorowski, and our producer Andrew is at Minute on Twitter. And our Facebook fan page is facebook.com slash protagonistpodcast and enjoy any conversation that up there. If you'd like to support the show financially, you can buy a topic for us to discuss or show your appreciation with a monetary donation by going to patreon.com/protagonist. Thank you again for joining us and we'll be back next week to talk about another great character in a great story. So long.
0: So long. Do you know why? Why? Cuz it's 12:30. You need to be asleep,
1: my man.